Hey, welcome. If uh, you're new with us, uh, welcome to our church, to our church family. And um, so glad that you're here. You probably received a bulletin. There's a tear-off section at the bottom. If you are new and you want to, uh, you have a prayer request, you have something that you want to, you want us to know about, or if you want to connect with our church, uh, you may fill that tear-up card, tear, just tear it off, and uh, there's a box in the very back on my ride here. It's a metal box on one of those uh, shiplap walls, and you can just put it in there. We'll uh, promise that we will not um, harass you, just uh, 20 emails per day and five phone calls. Not much. No, just kidding. Uh, but we're just so honored that, that you could be here with us <clears throat> this morning. Thank you for worshiping. Thank you for giving. Thank you for being here. I want to talk a little bit today. And I really, what I want to do, I want to share what <clears throat> I feel the Lord has been doing here. If you've been <clears throat> at MCC over the past month or so, We've been experiencing <clears throat> some very uh, good times in God's presence, I'll just say, and uh, our hearts are crying for what I believe that there are churches across the country and across this globe that are crying out for revival, for God to come in and move. We are in the last days, church, and the Bible talks about the fact that in the last days, he promised that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. All flesh. That means you. That means you. Yeah. There, we're, we're coming. We're coming. We're getting there. Hey, why don't you look at the person next to you and tell them, that means you. Maybe that will, yeah, that means you. That means you. God is working. God is doing something. God is changing lives. And he is doing it one step at a time, one life at a time, and he is doing powerful things. Um, you know, I um, uh, today I just feel like God wants to do something very different and unique. Uh, than other times. But, um, <clears throat> you know, as we were worshiping, um, some, um, some folks came and shared some stuff. I know Matt, uh, what was it, Isaiah 35 or Isaiah 35 and verse 10, just very, very powerful verse. Uh, if, take a moment and look it up and, or write it down, uh, Isaiah 35:10. just for your own good. You don't have to read it right now. Just write it down on a piece of paper and see if that applies to your life. And we want to be sensitive to what God's Spirit is saying. So if that is applicable to you, just know that God is thinking about you. Isaiah 35, verse 10. And, um, and uh, Virginia came up and, and she shared about how important it is to put on the full armor of God. Because you know what? The enemy is relentless. And he wants us destroyed. And so, yes, we need to put on the full armor of God so that we might stand against the wiles of the enemy. 
Amen. And then, um, brother, tell me your name again. Remind me. James. Thank you, James. Uh, James came and he shared something that is very, very powerful. He actually uh, he, he mentioned that so many times we believe the lies of the enemy, but you know what? Those lies are really made of ashes. And when the people of Israel marched around Jerusalem and the wall, Jericho, sorry, and the walls came down, right? How did they come down? It was kind of like, you know, he was equating it to the same principle that like the walls of Jericho came down, the same things about the lies of the enemy, they'll be reduced to ashes when we start believing what God says. Amen. Thank you, Lord. But this morning, I want to I want to talk to you about something that, that's very near and dear to my heart, and that is hunger. Hunger. So when I talk about hunger and I talk about the whole concept of hunger, what comes to your mind? First thing, food, right? Steak on a grill or barbecue or you know if you're like me you like sweets and <laughs> you know cakes and donuts and all kinds of good stuff or maybe pizza some nice hot bread coming out of the oven with butter i don't know i'm making you hungry right that's the point <laughs> that's the point you know you see in the natural when we are hungry the thought of food evokes in us that sensation that we got to go get some food. And so if you have hunger and your stomach starts grumbling, you know that you've got to have some food. Now, in the spiritual, that's not quite the same. Now, when we experience times of refreshing, when we experience times when God begins to move, it is such a blessing, amen? Wouldn't you say that? It's a blessing to experience a move of God. It's a blessing to feel the presence of the Lord. It's a blessing to know that we're not just doing church just for the sake of doing church. We're doing, we're here together as a family, as a body of believers, because we are anticipating, we're expecting, we are welcoming the Holy Spirit to come in our midst and to say, Lord, come, do what you only can do, right? That's our desire. But there's a challenge in that as well. And the challenging thing for us as Christians is that we can be full but be hungry at the same time. The challenging thing is to be full yet hungry at the same time. Now, generally, generally speaking, hunger is a sign of health. Would you, would you agree with that? If you're hungry, that's a, it's typically, generally speaking, it's a, it's a sign of a good thing in your body, right? When a human being is not hungry, or for you moms, if your baby is not hungry, your, your baby just doesn't want to feed, doesn't want to eat, there's possibly something that is not right that needs to be checked. You go to the pediatrician, you get that little baby checked, and you just want to put your heart at rest, right? Loss of appetite means that there could potentially be a physical problem. 
In the spiritual, it's exactly the same. It works the same way. It's the same principle. If we lose our hunger and if we do not have a hunger or an appetite for the things of God, something could be wrong. Now, when you find yourself in an atmosphere where the anointing and the presence of God and the Holy Spirit is moving and blessings are pouring and, and lives are being touched and people are being touched, one of the things that it's an absolute must for us to continue having is exactly hunger. Hunger. Now, again, in the natural, you become hungry when you don't eat. But in the spirit, you become hungry by eating. We become hungry by eating. That means that the more we feed on the things of God, the more we experience the presence of God, the more we sense His Spirit working and moving and doing great things in our midst, the more our hunger should just like, we should be ravenous. I want more. I want more. Give me more, God. Give me more. Now, let me show you how it works. When you need a miracle in your life, what do you do? You find a miracle in a nightly, nicely neat bow gift somewhere at, I don't know. Where do you go for a miracle, right? Do you find it in people, just talking to people? You go and sit in Starbucks and somebody drops a, a miracle on your lap? No. When we need a miracle, you feed yourself on what builds your faith. And so you go to the New Testament and you read the life stories of what Jesus did as he walked this earth and he touched lives and he touched people and he transformed those that needed transformation and he touched and healed those people that were sick in bodies. I don't know if you've seen the... Um, uh, the Chosen, thank you. The last episode of The Chosen. It's just, it so beautifully depicts that man by the pool of Bethesda that had been there for most of his life and suffered most of his life until Jesus touched him. That builds faith. That builds courage. That tells you, wow, if Jesus could do it for him, he can do it for me. And so I want to share this morning, some things that are practical in nature and of what God has been doing here. So I'm going to ask Lynn and Ty to come real quick. And I want Lynn to share her testimony of what God has been doing. Lynn. Lynn, I don't know if you guys noticed, Lynn was on for a few weeks with a boot on. What happened, Lynn? Well, I was at the gym and I rolled my ankle. And that was at the end of January. And um, the x-ray showed two fractures. And so I was immediately put in a boot. And sometime after that, my doctor took me out of the boot. And then after a period of time, I had a follow-up x-ray and nothing was healing. Nothing was moving. So I had to go back into the boot. And basically, I lost about almost two months of healing. Well, I had an x-ray. Oh, I'm 
sorry, I left out the best here. part. <laughs> um, we are here at church, and a word, the Holy Spirit gave a word to Yasmin. Uh, she came up, and she spoke and said that she had heard that someone in here had received a, uh, a report from the doctor. And I just knew that was, that was me. And so I came up, and everyone came up here and just started putting hands on me and, and praying. This happened. <laughs> so that that Monday, um, I had gone to um, per Percy Burns leads a group called Fire Fire Group, and so that Monday evening I went to Fire Group, and uh, there was a brother there who had asked for prayer, and we'd been praying for him. And uh, David Brown, who some of you know, was there and said, "I just feel like I need to be praying for folks, uh, all the men in this room." And so David began praying over us, and then David just said, "You know, I just really feel what the Lord is saying that." I need to start praying in my prayer language. And just so everyone knows, I don't have the gift of tongues. I don't have the gift of interpretation at this point in my spiritual walk. So David said, and I don't know if anyone else heard David say this or not, but what I heard David say was, as I pray, listen carefully for what the Lord might be saying to you. And so David began praying in his prayer language, and it was total silence. And all of a sudden, I just heard the Lord speak to me five simple statements that were directed to me first off by my first name, Ty. Ty, and then a short statement. The I won't go into all five statements, but the fourth statement was, Ty, I need you to trust me. The fifth statement was, Ty, I healed your wife. A week later, I went to our, our chiropractor for treatment for me, and he said, oh, I got the x-ray report for your wife. I said, oh, what's it say? And he handed it to me on the table, and I looked at it. It said, no fractures. I went, I went home, and Lynn called me, and uh, I said, oh, I just came back from the, the chiropractor, and, and he gave me the report. And I had told Lynn uh, the fifth statement, Ty healed your wife. And so she said, well, what did it say? And I said, what did I, God tell me it said? And she says, oh, my gosh, I'm healed? I said, you're healed. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, guys. Yeah. So, you know, the Apostle Paul talks in, in Corinthians about uh, we're one body with many parts, and all of us have a role to play. And this is a perfect example of the body having many parts and functioning. Yasmin felt a word from the Lord. She was bold enough to come up here and to speak it. She had no idea who she was talking about. My wife received that word. She was bold enough to come up and, and say, hey, this is me for prayer. And then a totally different venue, someone who's totally unrelated to this church as a part of the body of Christ, began praying and revealed something. So whatever giftedness you think you have or whatever you think God is saying to you, please be obedient and share it because you just have no idea how it's going to touch someone else's life. And you are part of the body, and the body only functions, and the spirit only moves when we're all exercising our giftedness. Amen. Amen. Elijah, come on up. This is another, it's, this is unscripted, but it's, it's the Lord. So what happened to you, Elijah? So um, for the last like 14 months, I've been really struggling with apathy and just like so encroaching on my life that it just feels like I'm hitting up against the wall like over and over and over. And then two weeks ago, last time we gathered, um, I raised my hand for prayer and when I was being prayed over, Somebody spoke a word over me. They said God was going to breathe into me new life like the, the dry bones in Ezekiel. And over the last two weeks, I have 
been coming back at that point. And then last Thursday, um, I had a prayer group at my house, and the Lord just completely broke through everything. And I have so much peace and joy, Woo. and it, it's been incredible. So. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Oh, man, you, if you got to clap for God, you better be clapping. Don't give me some pat a cake kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because we're doing it for God. That's right. That's right. Uh, Lois is going to come up and she's going she's gonna to read a story or two. And I, this, 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 we're going somewhere here. So just we're going somewhere. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I'm so excited about what God's doing. I know I'm excited about what he's doing in me. He's doing something in me that is... <sighs> I'm thankful. Yeah. Um, I want to read you a quote from William Booth, founder of Salvation Army, late 1800s. My glasses on. He said, I consider that the chief dangers which confront the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. That is sobering, church. I think we're right there. And I believe that God, in his mercy, is awakening his body, his, his bride, the slumbering bride. Um, can I read you a few excerpts from this book I've been reading, um, 2,000 Years of Charismatic Christianity. I want to read you some excerpts from the Second Great Awakening, 1800 to 1840. And listen well, and I think you'll be amazed to see that's exactly where we're at today, it seems, in a lot of respects. As the 19th century dawned, America was again morally bankrupt. A generation had come of age that knew little of the revival that had swept the nation 60 years earlier. Eight years of war had drained the nation's vitality, leaving a dark cloud of spiritual indifference and moral degradation. Negative influences from the French Revolution were penetrating American society, and deism was at its peak of popularity. All of this resulted in a rise in profanity, drunkenness, gambling, and lewdness. The General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church sent out a letter saying, we are filled with concern and awful dread at the conditions that we see on every hand. They express the solemn conviction that the eternal God has a controversy with this nation. I submit to you that we have a controversy with this nation today again. The concern prompted fervent prayer that precipitated a national spiritual awakening. And there's that word again, prayer. If we're not praying, guys, it's game over. We had better wake up and realize that that is our lifeline, prayer. The revival on the East Coast, let me read you this. Colleges on the East Coast were hotbeds of rebellion at the time. Does that sound familiar? 
Many students proudly professed to being atheists, agnostics, and skeptics, or they called them then more infidels, as they were commonly called in those days. These same college campuses, however, became incubators of revival. At Yale, yes, Yale, President Timothy Dwight, son-in-law of Jonathan Edwards, preached a series of chapel messages on infidelity. The spiritual stir resulted in one-third of the student body professing faith in Christ. Revival fires engulfed Dartmouth, Williams, and other colleges, and from there it swept into towns and cities. Listen to this, what happened in Kentucky. The revival of the East Coast was, ta was tame compared to what happened in the Allegheny Mountains on the western frontier. There, James McGreedy, a Presbyterian pastor of three small congregations, sparked revival fires. He led his congregation in signing a covenant to pray every Saturday and Sunday morning. So we meet here Sunday mornings, Wednesday mornings, and Thursday mornings on Zoom. I was encouraged when I read this. I'm like, okay, yeah, I invite you to come. God is really moving. Their focus was revival. Four years passed with no obvious change. Would you agree that we live in a microwave society, microwave mentality society? If we don't get the answer we, we want in a matter of a few days or a week, well, you know what? We give up pretty quickly. Four years passed, no obvious change, when suddenly a revival broke out. Suddenly. I love that word, suddenly. 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 Don't give up. Let's not give up. It would eventually change the course of the nation. It started in a weekend meeting at McGreedy's small Red River Church. The presence of the Spirit was so intense during the first two days of the meeting that the congregation was re reduced to tears several times. On the final day, after the formal service had ended and the other ministers had left, two of the other ministers lingered, lingered behind with the congregation. The Holy Spirit seemed to permeate the very atmosphere, and weeping could be heard throughout the house. Yeah. I think when we begin to weep, it's going to be a good place. God, let us weep for the condition of our families, um, our churches, our nations. John McGee rose to his feet and he gave one final exhortation before they left. I exhorted them to let the Lord reign in their hearts and submit to him and their souls should live. Many broke their silence at that time. The woman in the east end of the house shouted tremendously. Now, we're talking about a Presbyterian church. I left the pulpit to go to her. Some spoke to me and said, you know, these people, a Presbyterian, are much for order. They will not bear with this confusion. Go back and be quiet. I turned to go back, and I was near falling. The power of God was strong upon me. I turned again, and losing sight of the fear of man, I went through the house shouting and exhorting with all possible ecstasy and energy, and the floor was soon covered by those slain in the presence of God. News of the event spread quickly. And McGreedy announced another meeting for the end of July. Are, are you bored? Are you okay? You want to hear? Okay, good. I'm going to keep reading anyway. 
Response was phenomenal. Some traveled 100 miles to be in the meeting. Do you understand that we could hardly get to church or a service most of the time? And we have, guys, everything at our fingertips. They traveled 100 miles. What form of transportation did they have in the 1800s? What was it? Yeah. Wow. Many came with tents prepared to camp out for days. Yeah, we need a mindset change. The church was much too small, so they cleared away the underbrush from around the church. They erected a preaching stand, and they built simple log seats outdoors. That was probably the first camp meeting in America. The first service continued throughout the night. Throughout the night. Sleep and physical comforts seemed to be forgotten as things eternal gripped the hearts and minds of the people. Oh, God. Let things eternal grip the minds of us. On Sunday evening, as John McGee preached, the cries of the penitent almost drowned out his voice. Wow. Wow. People throughout the congregation fell prostrate on the ground. Cries of distress over sin soon gave way to shouts of joy arising out of their assurance of salvation. Wow. A little bit more. Barton Stone, pastor of another church nearby Kentucky, had attended that meeting. He was convinced it was a genuine work of God. He applied the same principles, and they conducted a camp meeting that was exceptional both in terms of attendance and signs and wonders. One person counted 1,143 horse and buggies parked in the area. And estimates of those in attendance range from 10,000 to 25,000. We have every comfort that we could ever need or want. And you know what? It's our detriment. We are too comfortable. We're too sophisticated, church. If we don't realize and wake up, we're going to miss what God wants to do in the earth. The people generally accepted these manifestations as the work of God. I'm going to finish with this one last part. They attracted the curious as well as unbelievers who went off and away convinced of their divine origin. Wow. This guy, James Finley, was not a professing Christian, but he attended the camp meeting, and he reports this. This is what this unbeliever says. The noise was like the roar of Niagara. Can you imagine? The worship, the cries out to God. It was like the roar of Niagara. The vast sea of human beings seemed to be agitated as if by a storm. These are his words. Some of the people were singing, others praying, some crying for mercy in the most piteous accents, while others shouted vociferously. A strange supernatural power seemed to pervade the entire mass of mind there collected. At one time, I saw at least 500 swept down in a moment as if a battery of a thousand guns had been opened on them. And then immediately followed shrieks and shouts that rent the very heavens. I fled for the woods and wished I'd stayed at home. Yeah. 
The revival, perhaps because of the nature and number of manifestations, had its critics. And you know what? With any move of God, you're going to have critics. God doesn't work the way that our finite minds think he has to work. He is going to work exactly the way he wants. And it's not going to be maybe what you and I would like. Uh, we're going to have to lose our fear of man, fear what people think about us. Um, I often think about, I'm sorry, babe, I didn't mean to be this long. Um, Jesus, when he healed the blind man and he did it so radically, it wasn't pretty and beautiful and take out a little hanky out of his pocket and lay it on the blind man's eyes. What he did is he spit on the ground, very muddy, messy, took that clay, smeared it on the blind man's eyes. That's pretty radical and weird. But he was healed. So let's really work on losing our sophistication and just be hungry. God, make us hungry, hungry for you. Hunger. I want more hunger. I'm not satisfied. So be encouraged with these stories, and let's ask God to, to do the same thing today. He wants to. Are we willing? Are we willing? I think she does better than I do. Oh, thank you, Lord.